We hear now from God's word for our help and our hope. We turn now to the Old Testament reading from the book of Genesis, the 17th chapter. And when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham, Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, the fifth chapter. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, How much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand now out of respect for the words of Jesus in the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the eighth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist and others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? 
Peter answered him, You are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And he called to him the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does a man, does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? For what can a man give in return for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you this day from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You and I today, we've heard these readings, these readings which point us to Jesus and his obedience to his heavenly Father as he goes about the work of the kingdom and goes about the plan of salvation to reconcile us to God and to do it all through his life, death, and resurrection. You see, when you have a purpose in life, you do things on purpose. If you have a goal, a reason, an aim in life, then you're going to do things intentionally to reach that purpose or goal. So what do people say might be a goal in their lives? Well, one goal certainly might be to make money so that they can do what they want to do, to go where they want to go, and to buy what they want to buy, to make sure that they have enough financial resources to have a nice house, a car to drive, or a comfortable retirement. So they get a job, they work, they do things intentionally, in order to accomplish the purpose of making money. But not all people are called to make money in their lives. Some people might say that they want power to take control of their lives, to take charge of who they are and what they get to do and say. They want to say something and have other people doing things for them. Some people simply want to have that control, those take charge opportunities. And so they'll do things in order to make that happen. And still other people would prefer to be popular. They want to be liked. They get a big thrill out of seeing how many likes they get on Facebook or how many tweets they can get followers to see. They want to be liked. They want to be a part of that group. They want to be included and they want to have a certain prestige and to be looked up to. And so they will do things intentionally, on purpose, to reach that goal. 
So when you have a purpose in life, you do things on purpose. You do things on purpose in order to reach it. So the question before us today as God's people, what is your purpose in life? And I know, none of you came ready to answer that question today. I know it's a deep question, right? I mean, what is your purpose in life? Maybe before we answer that, we need to look to the scriptures, because after all, that's a good biblical thing to do, right? It's a Christian thing to do, to go to God's word in order to find the answer to life's questions. And so we see Jesus in our gospel account today. He's on this road to Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And Jesus, he gets the answers. John the Baptist come back from the dead. One of the prophets, Elijah. And then he turns it on those who are with him. Who do you say that I am? And Peter, one of those disciples, speaks up and says, you are the Christ. Ding, 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 right? Right answer. Don't we wish that was the final Jeopardy question? And yet, in the midst of that good answer, there is some trouble that's coming. <coughs> See, I ding, ding, ding too loud. <laughs> So it's troubling. There's some trouble on the way. Peter gives a wonderful answer, but he's got the wrong idea about what Christ would do. The Christ, the one whom God is going to send, well, Peter thinks this is going to be somebody with power, someone who's going to make his dreams come true. He's hoping that Christ will overthrow the Roman government so that they can be free so that there will be no more oppression. He believes that the Christ will show incredible political and military power. He, as for money and possessions, well, this Christ will give them a country where everyone will be safe, where they can have whatever they want, and they'll be able to do whatever they want to with it. It'll be a wonderful place to live. No more worries. What's more, the disciples, they're going to get prime spots, prime real estate in this new world. They're going to have prestige, people looking up to them. They'll be welcomed and well-liked. The problem is that that's not the type that Jesus was going to be, that he had to be. And let's make sure we understand that well. Jesus could not be the type of ruler Peter was looking for. Jesus was there with his own purpose, the Father's purpose that had been given to him for our salvation. He had to correct this false understanding of what the Christ will do and what his purpose is. And so he says the Son of Man must and that word for must in the Greek is just three letters long, D, 
an E, and an I. Day. It means it is necessary. It has to happen. It must occur. The Son of Man must be rejected. He must suffer. He must be killed. So Jesus has this purpose in life. I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I want to go that way to have that kind of purpose. But why does he have to do this? Why does Jesus have to do this? First, because the Old Testament says it's going to happen. We go back to Isaiah 53 and the Old Testament prophecy simply describes Christ as one who will be despised and rejected. We esteemed him not. He was stricken, smitten, and afflicted. He bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. With his stripes we are healed. He was oppressed and afflicted, and the Lord laid our iniquity upon him. You see, the Old Testament spoke it, and so it must happen to Jesus for him to be the Christ. And then there's a second reason why this must happen. It's because God has given him a certain mission. He has to live up to his name. His name is Jesus, the one who saves. God has given this purpose, this mission, this task to Jesus. He is to save his people, to forgive them, to reconcile them with God. And we heard in the epistle today that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And what was the result of that death? That we are reconciled to God. Why must Jesus be rejected? Why must he be killed? Why must he suffer? Because he has this purpose in life. He has to reconcile us to God, to forgive us and give us salvation. Now don't think that any of these things that happened to him happened because the Romans were in control. Sure, they might have had political power and they were in charge of the crucifixion but they weren't really the ones in control. As for the Jewish leaders, those scribes and Pharisees and chief priests, they really weren't in control either, even though they ran the trial. Even Peter, when he tries to stop Jesus by saying, this will never happen to you, he is not in control either. You see, Jesus is the one with the power. Jesus is the one doing everything on purpose. And just before this incident, Jesus healed a blind man and made a deaf man hear. Jesus fed thousands of people made with fish and bread. He's cast out a demon from a young girl. And right after this text, Jesus is going up the mountain to be transfigured, which we heard about a couple weeks ago already and that he's going to have all his power and his authority and his glory on display in dazzling white light. But later on, we're going to find out that Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night when he was betrayed, and the mob comes to rescue, to arrest him, not to rescue him. 
And Peter impulsively, remember what he does there too? He pulls out his sword and cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant. And Jesus says, stop. See, I learned my lesson not to ding, ding, ding here. (laughs) Stop. You don't realize that I could call down a dozen legions of angels. You see, Jesus allows himself to be arrested. And when he stood before Pilate, the Roman governor, he could have said some things and gone free. But he stays silent. He's going to be crucified on purpose. And he is with the Sanhedrin, those religious leaders, and they ask him a question, are you the Christ, the Son of God? And Jesus responds by saying, I am. I am is the name God gives himself in the Old Testament. So when Jesus claims that name, he has forced their hand. He is guilty of blasphemy in their eyes, so they're going to condemn him to death for speaking the truth. He is the I am. Yes, Jesus could have stopped his arrest, his suffering, his trial, his execution, at any time he wanted to. He was the one in control. Yet he had a purpose, didn't he? Everything he did was on purpose. All it was was in service to his purpose and goal. He did it all for you and for me to forgive us, to save us, to make us brothers and sisters in him and through him. So now that we've heard Jesus' purpose and what he did on purpose, let's go back now to that question that's there for you today. What is your purpose in life? Of course, you can have a number of them, right? I'm not going to boil it down to just one. But we do have a clear purpose, don't we? Given at the end of our Bible passage today, we're to take up our cross, to deny ourselves and follow Jesus. What might be the purpose of denying ourselves, taking up our crosses and following Jesus? What would that look like? So here's a few examples Well, the first one has to do with advertisements. Actually, the public servants announcements from a number of years ago. The ad council had put them out, you see. In one, a man climbed up on some stairs on crutches, and a voice then told the viewers that the man had learned to walk if someone had given the money to build a rehab center. A similar commercial showed a woman alone in a room And a voice told the viewer, this woman almost received a meal and a visit from someone, but she didn't. You see, the point of these ads was to help people realize the good that they could do and what would happen if they did not give of their time and their money. So what do we do when we deny ourselves and follow Jesus? We give. We give the sort of money we may have worked hard to get so that we could buy whatever we wanted for ourselves. We give our time, even though that'll get little fame for this. And we're doing this on purpose. I also read about some research done by studying obituaries. As a pastor, I get to do this all the time. 
I always make sure that there's not somebody I know listed there in the newspaper. Because sometimes, believe it or not, I'm one of the last to know if someone died. And so, after a course of months, some researchers looked at a couple thousand obituaries. What they were looking for in those obituaries was they wanted to know what the words that were used the most often. They wanted to know what was used to describe people's lives. And can you imagine what that one word was? Help. The word that was used the most often was help. People weren't remembered for their position or their popularity or their power or how much money they had. They were remembered because they helped others. They helped veterans or the disabled or some organization. To follow Jesus is to be remembered as someone who intentionally helped, who took up the task of loving his neighbor or her neighbor as Jesus loved us. So you and I today, we have that question before us. What is your purpose in life? We as a church collectively have that question too. Why is the church here? What is our purpose? What are we to be doing? What are we to be paying the most attention to? I think that calls for much study and prayer to determine that. Because yes, we know that we're to make disciples of all nations, baptize and teaching. We know that from Matthew 28. But what else? How do we do that in a tangible way? How do we as individuals do that? What is your purpose in life? May you and I think about that. Search the scriptures for help. Pray. Talk to one another. And to remember that our purpose is also to deny ourselves, to take up our crosses, and to follow Jesus. And we do that because Jesus had a purpose. On purpose, he suffered. It was necessary for him to die. He had to be killed, then rise again. And he did this all on purpose for you and for me. All to give us life and to give us clear purpose for the lives we live each day. So do you see it yet? Maybe soon we'll know what our purpose is. And once we know what our purpose is, we can work toward it and have all things in our life conform to that purpose. May Jesus give us clarity and vision. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guide our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.